Welcome to the Professional Engineer Podcast. This is a podcast where we explore the amazing world of engineering and the professional engineers who have the opportunity to design the future infrastructure of our country. I am your host, Matt Dersheimer, and I am a licensed professional civil engineer uh, with a resume that includes over a billion dollars of new heavy civil design and construction projects. I specialize in bridge design and the design-build method of project delivery. And I guess I am now a podcaster. In today's episode, I want to actually introduce you to what a professional engineer is. Uh, There might be some common misconceptions out there as to uh, what our profession is about, and I'd like to set the record straight of what it really means to be a professional engineer. First, what are the requirements to become a professional engineer? So this varies state by state, but the minimum baseline requirements to become a professional engineer in the United States is to have a four-year degree in an engineering-related field, civil engineering, mechanical engineering, chemical engineering, etc., etc., You also need to have passed a first of two rounds of tests known as the engineer in training test, the EIT test. This is generally taken right around when you graduate from college with your four-year degree, and it evaluates you on a broad range of engineering subjects. You'll, You'll go into math, statistics, civil engineering, chemical engineering, thermodynamics, the whole gauntlet of what makes up the broad four-year education of a engineer. Uh, This test actually also covers engineering ethics and laws and rules of engineering. And uh, I'm not going to go into detail on engineering ethics in this introductory podcast, but I do want to introduce you with the, the fundamental canon of an engineer. And that canon goes like this. Engineers, in the fulfillment of their professional duties, shall hold paramount the health, safety, and welfare of the public. And I think that is a profound responsibility, and and really I am humbled to be a part of this profession. Now, the ethics component of this test uh, briefly covers that, but it also goes into more finer details of how our client relationships are supposed to work, and if we're approached with certain situations, how should we act? So after passing your EIT test, the next thing you need to do is actually get a job in the industry. Uh, You will need to work underneath a professional engineer for a minimum of four years. It can be multiple professional engineers, but you do need to work underneath a professional engineer for four years in order to qualify to take the next round of testing, which is the professional engineer exam. Now, those engineers that you worked underneath, they will deliver sealed envelopes to the NCEES, who is the testing administrator for engineers. That's who you took your EIT with. And in this sealed envelope, they will attest to your ability to become a professional engineer and actually practice in the industry. After practicing for four years underneath a licensed engineer, you're now ready to take the hardest test of your career, and that is the professional engineering exam. So the professional engineering license exam is an eight-hour test. So before you go into that test, you will specify what your uh, professional engineering license is going to be and what 
field of practice are you going to be taking the test in? Is it going to be chemical engineering? Is it going to be mechanical engineering, civil engineering? You will specify the exact type of license that you're going to be taking. And then in addition to that, you will spe- you will specify what sort of specialization within that license you are going to be taking. So for example, when I took the PE test, I signed up for a civil engineering test with a structural specialization. So that test is broken up into two segments, two four-hour segments. The first four-hour segment is the broad range of your uh, engineering industry. So broadly civil engineering topics, which would include water resource design, environmental design, structural design, transportation design, um, and, and some other topics. And then the Second component will be your specialization design, where the questions on that exam are solely around your specialization. So for structural engineering, civil structural engineering, that topic was specific to building design and bridge design and structural behaviors of systems. Now, this test is very comparable in the complexity of the bar and and similar type of medical exams where you spend months and months. And and really, it's it's all of your career up to this point thus far, all your schooling, uh, all your professional working, working towards this exam and and you study your butt off for it. And, And a question that actually always comes up about this is what sort of reference material do I need to bring for the test? And this is, uh, I actually got a funny story about this one, but you need to bring every bit of reference material to this test, which means you need to bring all the specifications that you would need to use, um, any reference material you would like. Really, it's an, it's an open book test is what it is. You can have everything you need to actually take this test. You just need to know how to use those reference materials, and you will need to use those reference materials. Uh, so, so I actually took my test in Alabama, but I'm based in Florida now. The reason why I did that is Alabama allowed me to take a test um, six months earlier than Florida was because of their cutoff on uh, experience requirements. I still had four years of experience by the time I took the test, but but in Florida, you need to actually have that four year of experience like six months before you actually take the test, whereas Alabama was two months. So anyway, I took it in Alabama which means I needed to bring a full gamut of uh, reference material. My, my steel code, my concrete code, my wind code, all these codes I needed to bring in the test. So I got on the plane, I checked the bag, I brought a carry-on and an overhead, or and underneath the seat bag, and it was all filled with books. I had the clothes that I was wearing and one change of clothes for the test. And everything else was books. I, I think I had to bring like 12 or 15 books to the test, uh, along with my, my primary calculator and a backup calculator. So I bought two calculators, identical calculators. You can't use the fancy ones, the TI-89s, which I, I do use actually in practice. But for the test, you had to use the baseline non, uh, non-graphing calculator, basically. And so I just remember having to lug bags of books out of the airport um, into the hotel. Thankfully, the hotel I was staying at was a uh, the actual hotel that was the test was at. But I still had to walk. It felt like a mile to the conference portion of this hotel, just lugging my books down. Now, I ended up passing the test on my first take. 
uh, which was such a huge relief. I, I remember leaving the test and having to carry all my books back, and you're just mentally drained, the the, the most drained you've ever been mentally, because eight hours of intense test taking that is uh, critical to your career will just drain everything out of you. So I, I lugged my books back, dropped them off in the uh, hotel room there, and just just crashed, man, took a nap and woke up later, had a beer and, uh, and dinner. So anyway, I I passed it my, my first round. And after that, you are essentially a professional engineer. Once you get that notification in the mail from the NCES, you are given your license number and directions of how you can begin practicing as a professional engineer in your state. So like I mentioned earlier, I took mine in Alabama, but most of my work is actually in Florida. So there is something known as reciprocity, where uh, there's a, a, a national organization, I think it's also the NCES, uh, where they provide something known as the NCES record. So in order to actually apply to take your PE, you had to gather all of your school information, your transcripts, all these reference letters. It's a lot of work to put together all this documentation. And each state actually requires that deliverable when applying for licensing in that state. And so the NCES record actually allows you to uh, pay that organization to maintain those records for you so you can readily get your Uh, licensing in other states, as long as you meet the requirements. Uh, California, for example, for the type of work I perform, requires an additional layer of testing in order to be a professional engineer. Uh, They require essentially earthquake design, uh, which I have not yet done. So anyway, that is how you become a professional engineer. You get your four-year degree, you pass your EIT test right out of college, you work underneath a professional engineer for four years, and then finally, the culmination of it all, you sit and pass your professional engineering license exam, you know, at least eight years after you started your schooling career, and there you are, you've made it in the industry. You are now a professional engineer. So actually, I want to give you guys a quote now. You know, you hear a lot of people say, you know, start off with a quote or end with a quote when it comes to speeches. And uh, I think it's appropriate to start a podcast with one. And this quote is by Herbert Hoover, who, if you didn't know, he was actually an engineer, but uh, he's most notably known for being the 31st president of the United States. But before he was a president, he was a mining engineer. Uh, Now, he worked predominantly in mines in China and Australia, and a cool thing about him is he co-founded a company called the Zinc Corporation, uh, where they actually developed, or or not quite developed, they advanced a processing method uh, called froth flotation that they used to extract zinc from ore. Uh, And he he became very, very wealthy with his engineering work. Uh, Some estimates that I read is over $100 million in today's money. Now, in his memoirs, he has a chapter called The Profession of Engineering, and within it, we have the following quote, and I really think this quote summarizes the engineering profession as a whole, and I'd love to share that with you. So here we go. Engineering. It is a great profession. There is the fascination of watching a figment of the imagination emerge through the aid of science to a plan on paper. Then it moves to realization in stone or metal or energy. 
Then it brings jobs and homes to men. Then it elevates the standards of living and adds to the comforts of life. That is the engineer's high privilege. The great liability of the engineer compared to men of other professions is that his works are out in the open where all can see them. His acts, step by step, are in hard substance. He cannot bury his mistakes in the grave like the doctor's. He cannot argue them into thin air or blame the judge like the lawyers. He cannot, like the politicians, screen his shortcomings by blaming his opponents and hope the people will forget. The engineer simply cannot deny he did it. If his works do not work, he is damned. On the other hand, unlike the doctor, his is not a life among the weak. Unlike the soldier, destruction is not his purpose. Unlike the lawyer, quarrels are not his daily bread. To the engineer falls the job of clothing the bare bones of science with life, comfort, and hope. No doubt, as the years go by, people will forget what engineer did it, even if they ever knew, or some politician puts his name on it, or they credit it to some promoter who used other people's money. But the engineer himself looks back at the unending stream of goodness which flows from his successes with satisfaction that few professions may know, and the verdict of his fellow professional is all the accolade he wants. And again, that was by Herbert Hoover, who was our 31st president of the United States. Uh, Interestingly enough, he is the only uh, U.S. president who has had an engineering background. Now, I want to talk about why this quote from him uh, really resonates with me. And it, and it begins with the first sentence that he wrote. And as soon as I read this, it, it, it just struck me as, as so real. And that sentence was, there is a fascination of watching a figment of the imagination emerge through the aid of science to a plan on paper. Now, I have the unique opportunity of everything that I have designed, literally everything that I've designed in my uh, eight-year career so far has been built, and not many engineers that I know can say that. Many have had projects that they've spent years of their life on sit on a shelf after producing plans that are ready for construction uh, for various reasons, most, most of them being budget of the person who solicited for those plans to be developed. Uh, but my myself, on the other hand, uh, as part of the design build work that I do, predominantly do, we design stuff that is going to begin construction in most of the times less than a year from when we actually begin design. And it, it is incredible to see something that you've poured so much of your heart and soul into, uh, meticulously going through your calculations and the detailing, and then finally going out to site and actually seeing the rebar in place and the formwork set up to your exact specifications, and then watching the concrete get poured and filling between the rebars, them dropping in the concrete vibrator. And then when they finally strip the forms, there is the product that you designed, you created, bearing itself to the world. And then he goes on to say, Then it moves to realization in stone or metal or energy. And that right there is what I get 
to experience what I have experienced when the rebar is in place exactly how you want it. And here comes the stone, the concrete to site. So then Herbert Hoover goes on to the second paragraph and says, The great liability of the engineer compared to men of other professions is that his works are out in the open where all can see them. And civil engineers, really, of all the engineering professions, I think that is the most prevalent. Uh, We build the infrastructure. We design and build the infrastructure that society uses that is critical to the functioning of our economy. And then he goes on to to rag on uh, other professions a little bit, but with legitimate arguments saying that uh, the doctor, when when their singular patient dies, they go into the grave and he moves on with his life. The uh, lawyers are arguing to a judge and they just argue away their problems or the uh, politicians will blame whatever their shortcomings are on their opponents. Uh, but when the engineer makes a mistake in his profession, uh, depending on how far along it has been, you could end up with a disastrous type of event. But it's really all worth it, and that is what his final paragraph is about here. And it's how he is indicating that it is really our job and our responsibility as an engineer to take the the wonders of science and clothe those bare bones of science with life, comfort, and hope. And when I got into the profession, uh, I did not know why I was getting into, into the profession. I was just good at math. And as I've spent more and more time in it, this is the reason why I'm in here. Because I realize that the work that I do does bring an unending stream of goodness, which flows from my successes and and our team's successes. And the satisfaction that we get amongst each other is really all the accolade that we we need, aside from a paycheck. (laughs) Now, I discovered uh, Herbert Hoover's writing... Uh, several years back, and it, it's really helped add clarity into uh, the responsibilities that we have as an engineer. And, and I'm very glad that I found that, and, and I appreciate you allowing me to share with share that with you. Now, I want to briefly introduce myself at the start of the podcast. Just did the boilerplate there, but uh, I want to go into a little bit more detail about who I am. And actually, the, the next episode of this podcast is going to be a deep dive into my career thus far, which I feel like I've had a, a pretty unique career for how long I've been in the industry. So again, my name is Matt Dersheimer, and I am a licensed professional civil engineer. I hold licenses in Florida, where I predominantly practice, and also Alabama, where I originally got my P.E., My career started out going even all the way back to college. I had an internship where I worked at uh, Disney. I I wasn't an Imagineer, but I did work for Magic Kingdom Engineering Services where I got to go behind the scenes, uh, literally behind the scenes, into the nitty gritty of what makes uh, Magic Kingdom in Orlando function. And that was an incredible internship, and I look forward to sharing that with you. I did research while I was in college at the University of South Florida, both undergrad and graduate research. Uh, in civil engineering related topics, uh, more specifically, actually structural engineering related topics. Uh, then I moved into 
a uh, starting my career after school, I moved into a field engineer position for a construction company where we were designing a uh, massive, massive project in Tampa, Florida. Or sorry, where we were constructing a massive project in Tampa, Florida that had every sort of heavy civil type of construction out there, all the way from from drainage into earthwork into bridge construction, uh, intelligent transport. Uh, intelligent transportation services, ITS, uh, electrical, lighting, the, the whole gamut of um, basically state-owned uh, heavy infrastructure, your roads and bridges. We had every component of on that job. And I really had the opportunity to cut my teeth uh, in the trenches on that job, and I want to share that with you. But then the, the, the company that designed it and the very people who designed that project, I ended up uh, working for that engineering firm where I currently am actually working and being able to go from building a project that the people designed to actually designing side and side with them was uh, fantastic. And I look forward to sharing the projects that I've had with, uh, with my company. And I look forward to sharing the projects that we will have together in the future. And with that, this concludes the first episode of the Professional Engineer Podcast. Thank you so much for joining me on this. I had a great time making it. I hope you had a good time listening and maybe you learned something. If you'd like to contact me about the podcast, you can email me at theprofessionalengineerpodcast at gmail.com. And make sure you guys go ahead and subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher. I use Pocket Casts. Uh, wherever you get your podcast, make sure you subscribe to me. And uh, even better, if you really like this podcast, or maybe you didn't like this podcast, go ahead and give me a review as well, because apparently that helps tremendously with the algorithms. And I really look forward to reading what you guys had a, had a thought about it. And so finally, again, if you have any questions, please feel free to email me and I look forward to answering them uh, on future podcasts. Thank you very much and have a wonderful day.